Welcome to Third Eye Science. I'm your host, Susan Bontoon, and on this podcast, we will be exploring the lines between science and spirituality. As a scientist and a yogi, I've found that these two realms do not have to be mutually exclusive. With the perspective of a logical scientist, I've navigated my own spiritual journey with a curious, open mind. I'll share lessons and tools I've found along the way and have compelling conversations with spiritual leaders, teachers, yogis, healers, and fellow travelers about their experiences and practices. In this age of information and misinformation, it's time to interpret and understand the world with your third eye. Hello and welcome to Third Eye Science. Before we get into the episode, I want to share my next few offerings um, for 2022. We're going to be continuing the Third Eye Science Collective sessions all year long. There will be 13 sessions. We just had one on Monday, the 17th for the first full moon of 2022. And the next one will be on February 2nd for the new moon in Aquarius. And this day will be, it's starting to feel like an incredibly um, powerful portal that's going to be coming in. It's 2222. (laughs) So the numerology is pretty incredible. And then, um, it's also that the first it's the lunar new year. So these sessions are, they happen monthly, but in 2022, we actually have 13 of them. They're group healing and energy work sessions. I'll guide participants on a journey that optimizes your personal response to the current planetary and energetic portals. So each one is carefully um, scheduled around an important energetic portal. These are deep supportive journeys that connect you, you with your soul and help activate the light energy that we receive from the cosmos. By accessing quantum entanglements and the unity field, we can help heal the past, future, and all dimensions of you. We also set clear intentions for our personal and collective manifestations. So these sessions are held on Zoom um, and they're 7 p.m. on on. So this next one will be February 2nd at 7 p.m. But even if you can't be there live, your energy can be held. If you sign up, your energy is held in in the session and a recording is provided afterwards. So you can um, join for $13 for one session. Or if you'd like, you can join for the entire year all 13 sessions for $155. And since we've had the first session, um, you would receive the recordings. So whenever you hear this, (laughs) you can still sign up for the year if you feel called to, and you'll receive the recordings from the past sessions. And what I have found with these kinds of sessions is that they... They work exactly as you need them to, exactly when you need them to. So I, you know, carefully plan out the timing, but really it's about you and your soul and your energy. So if you feel called to join, I'd love to see you there. It's, um, you can scroll down and see the link in the show notes, or you can go to thirdeyescience.com. And you'll see under group offerings, there's Third Eye Science Collective. I call it TES Collective for short. I also want to mention the class series that I'm doing is continuing. So as you may or may not know, I teach on Soul Tribe Online on Mondays at 5.30 p.m. And 
these are live classes, but you can also, if you join Soul Tribe, you have access to the entire class archive. So starting in um, early January, all the way through February 7th, I'm doing a special series featuring the Kriya, Gyan Chakra Kriya, which is a really incredible, it's one of my absolute favorite moving meditations that I've ever done. Honestly, I do this every year for 120 days. So at the beginning, I start at the beginning of the year and keep going. Um, So I'm doing it now. It has really changed my energetic field. What it really does is it's it's really incredibly healing and elevating. It tunes up your aura and activates your arc line. Your arc line is a halo of energy that allows you to be more receptive to the energy in your own magnetic field, as well as the wisdom of your higher self and your soul. By practicing this meditation daily for at least 40 days, you'll notice an increase in your magnetism and your radiance. This practice helps you connect with your cosmic flow of knowledge that is available to each of us if we give ourselves the time and space to listen. Each class is in this series will be anchored by this practice and will include warm-up, using breath and movement, and then each session always concludes with energy work while you relax in Shavasana. I'm really excited about this series. People seem to be loving it. So don't worry if you haven't joined, you still can. And as I said, the Soul Tribe Online, if you join monthly, the monthly membership is only $29 at this point. It's, um, I believe that the price will go up in February for new new students. So this is really the perfect time to join. It's, um, you'll have access to all of the live classes, all of the recordings through the class archive. So you can practice whenever it works for you. And there's a whole bunch of really incredible teachers that teach there. So you have access to their classes as well as mine. So please scroll down, find the link in the show notes, or you can go to my website, thirdeyescience.com. And under group offerings, there's a page called classes. And that's where I have all the information on it. Now, moving on to the show, please enjoy this episode. Love you all. Hello, welcome to mid-January 2022. This is the thirdeyescience.com, Third Eye Science podcast. Um, <laughs> I just recorded the um, intro with where I was promoting my offering, so I was kept saying thirdeyescience.com. <laughs> Um, today I got a very clear message this morning about the theme of, of this episode. And it was really interesting. It came in multiple ways and directions and, um, it's about safety and security. And what is safety? How do we create safety? How do we make ourselves feel safe and and the people around us and the people we love? feel safe. So I had um, a one-on-one session with an incredible being that um, is about to have a baby. Shout out to this person. She knows who I'm talking about. And it was just so incredible. I feel every time I do a one-on-one session with someone, um, it's, I, I never know what's going 
to happen. I leave myself completely open. I invite the guides in. I invite their guides, my guides. And without fail, every time, just something miraculous and incredible happens. (laughs) So if you're interested in a one-on-one session, um, you can go to my website. But that's not what this is about. The the message came in her session that, and it was really about safety. Like you, you're ready. You're, you're safe. Everything's, it was really about providing this incredible feeling of comfort and love and safety. And then this morning I, you know, I pull these, I love Oracle decks. As you know, I, um, I have a few, many different ones, but the one, the ones that I've been pulling lately, I always pull um, a few, I pull four, I have this whole process that I won't get into, but I have this ascended masters and healing um, archangel deck that I've combined. They're both, they're Doreen virtue decks. And so they're the same shape and size and everything. And I've combined them and I always pull those kind of for myself um, before I pull one, just one for the collective. And I put it on Instagram in my stories. So if you don't follow me on Instagram, you can check it out, Third Eye Science. And I, I do this every single morning, no matter what. And the, this, this one for the collective, it really is. It's for the collective. It's not, it's not just for me. And so what happened was there were four cards. One of them is Archangel Michael. You are safe is like the main message. And then it says, I'm protecting you against lower energies and guarding you, your loved ones and your home. Um, then there were, the other ones was Krishna, find the blessings in your current situation. Then Archangel Haniel, sensitivity. And then um, Hilarion, who is an ascended master. And it's about health and healing. And it's this like incredible, it's this really beautiful artwork where he's holding this like geometric shape of made out of light. It's incredible. And then I pull the card. So that was like pretty clear. Okay. Like (laughs) you're safe, you're healing sensitivity, like tune in, find the blessings in all of it. Right. And then I, I pull this, this card from the divine feminine Oracle deck, which I love is really beautiful by Megan, Waters, uh, what's her? Yeah, Waterson. And it's Our Lady, Our Lady of Guadalupe, the Empress of Protection. And the message is I am safe and divinely protected, I am held in love at all times. So Yeah, that was, for me, it felt like a really clear message to talk about safety. What is safety? So there are, we think of safety like on a human level as just like having security, having shelter, having food, like on a fundamental level, it is, it is necessary, right? And it's our instinct. And I mean this like almost, you know, the same way animals have an instinct to, to keep themselves safe and keep their babies safe. We have that instinct. And sometimes it steers us in the wrong direction because we often don't feel safe being ourselves. And I think this is a huge issue in our culture and in humanity in general, not just in American culture. In like every country, there's this 
societal kind of like ex- expectation. You do this and you'll be okay. Like we'll accept you. And people are now really breaking out of that. And you're seeing it more and more, which is incredible. And it has to do with the energy shift that is happening. This is the Aquarian age where we just, we came through the cusp where we're officially in the Aquarian age and, but we're really at the beginning. <laughs> so, so the transition to it, and now the Aquarian age is really, it's about information, collective cooperation, collective um, expansion, collective work, essentially. Um, so it was like this last age that we're coming out of, the Piscean age, was about working on yourself. And now we are working on the collective. And in so doing, this is not to say that you aren't working on yourself because we need each person individually to get to a place where they can fully shine their gifts, their light in order to uplift the collective. So the way I kind of almost like outlined this in my journaling this morning, that the way I see that happening is, so I have examples from my own life where I did things that wasn't um, in the highest good of all, and certainly not in the highest good for me, because I didn't feel safe feeling my feelings. So I became an active alcoholic. I used alcohol to numb my feelings because feeling my feelings felt very unsafe. And that is because I had trauma on a spectrum, right? Like we all have trauma, And even if you weren't physically abused, sexually abused, um, you know, you didn't have some horrible health crisis or death in the family, even if those things didn't happen to you, I guarantee there's something in your life that um, created trauma. And and often in, in childhood, Most of us have some sort of childhood trauma. And again, it's a spectrum. So this is not to like, this is not about comparing. So you, you know, I want everyone to just examine that for themselves. Do you not even allow yourself to call whatever happened to you? Like this, you know, one of the main, one of the things that I really identified as a core childhood trauma for me was not, you know, being this sensitive, super sensitive person, kid, I could feel people's feelings. And these are adults that aren't even capable of communicating their own feelings, but I get the feeling like I could feel them. So it was like, but they weren't, there was like, we didn't talk about our feelings. My family's um, of German and Norwegian and Swedish descent. The Germans and the Scandinavians are not known as the most affectionate people on the planet. (laughs) And I laugh now because it's just, yeah, it's just so funny when I meet people um, from those cultures, how it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> and this is not, I mean, there's no judgment at all. It's just like, it's like how it's, it's this kind of agreement that the culture makes you um, 
you don't learn how to be affectionate and sensitive. And I'm sure that's changing because it's changing everywhere on the planet. Uh, But so my family, my parents specifically, and even grandparents to some extent, they didn't have the tools for communicating emotions. They were not taught how to do this. I mean, my grandparents from Germany literally immigrated from like just before in between the World War One and World War Two. Like they're just trying to survive, right? Like and leaving a country that was um in upheaval and looking for opportunity. And I believe that's why nearly every, I mean, probably every single person that does come to the U.S. is is coming for a chance, an opportunity for something, to do something more and to make, you know, to create a life for themselves. So then, you know, my dad growing up in, in this family of German immigrants, um, post, you know, born right towards the end of World War II. And so then it was like, not, you didn't really want to advertise that you were German, right? So my grandparents, of course, were sort of distanced themselves from, of course, they had a community of Germans, other immigrants, but they also, um, like my dad, they would go back to Germany and visit family in the summer. And my dad, one summer came back, I think it was like, he was really young, three or four and could, and didn't speak English anymore. Cause he had been speaking German for a month or two. And my, my Oma, my grandmother was like, okay, we're not, we can't let him speak German anymore. So, so then my dad grew up not, not remembering how to speak German, even though at some point he was completely fluent in it. And it's just like, so this is an example of, it didn't feel safe in American culture to advertise that you were German because we had just gone through this horrible world war with the Germans, right? They weren't in it, you know? I mean, they weren't part of the German army or anything like that. They had even left Germany to flee the craziness that was happening there. And so... um so that just sets up a it sets up a life where my dad even though he was quite emotional <laughs> he only had the tools at least my experience and I would think that my sisters would agree was like the only emotion he was capable of expressing was anger So, you know, as a super sensitive kid, I was just like always afraid that my dad would get angry. He certainly, he never like hit us or anything like that. It just was like, he was the kind of person that when he was angry, because he was big, he had a big, loud voice. He was super intimidating for a little kid. I later heard from my, from like kids in our neighborhood, they were scared of my dad. (laughs) Um, he, you know, it just was like, he was the kind of person that if he's, if he's angry, you're going to know it. Everyone's going to feel it. You know, it was that, it was like that. And so then, and my mom was much more passive. Like, so she grew up the only child of two older parents like they literally had her in her in their 40s and then her mother died when she was only 11 years old so she didn't even really have a mother for her formative years 
and her father was a working class single father, right? So of course he did the best he could, but there was not a lot of communicating emotion. And I think there's some major stuff around her mother's death that that we saw come out when when her when we ha- we had because then my father my father died when i was 19 so my mother had to go through losing her mother losing her husband losing and then a year later her father died and she just she just functioned how she could she did the best she could and so it was like so I was getting these messages my whole life that it's not safe to be emotional. You can be angry, but then everyone around you is afraid or avoids you, but that's it, right? And here I am, this super sensitive kid who wasn't really even capable of shutting down my emotions. So I just, it was, you know, it was challenging. And then um, I also, you know, have talked about that I, in the past episode, that I later, much, much later in life, really, honestly, not till my 40s, did I realize, I remember that I actually was sexually molested by a babysitter one time and it I literally compartmentalized it and um, didn't remember it for my entire life until I like essentially was on this spiritual journey and really doing all the work to clean up what was, what was keeping me from becoming my true self. So I had you know, there are lots of people that have had more trauma or less trauma. It's like I said, we have all had some, some kind of trauma. And so what happened was then I go to college and start drinking alcohol. And it's like, it helped me be social. It helped me, um, yeah, just be completely uninhibited. And, it became this whole thing where, and and in college, it was really just binge drinking on the weekends, which looked okay because that's what everybody else was doing, or it seemed like everybody else was doing that. Um, and then it just very, very gradually turned into, a, you know, a real alcohol problem. And I can, I have done so much, you know, work and uh, reflection, self-inquiry around this that I know that what it was, was I was hiding my feelings. I was hiding from my feelings. And alcohol helped numb those feelings and helped me, help distract me from them. But you can imagine in your life, there are probably other things if it's not alcohol or drugs or something, you know, like we think of addiction in these like very extreme ways. But the truth is, like, to some extent, we're all addicted to scrolling on our phones or playing games, you know, like the way kids are playing games on phones or games on computers and, um, TV, that's a form of numbing. Food is a form of numbing. Um, Shopping is a form of numbing. There are so many things now in this world that we can use to avoid what's really going on with ourselves. So how do we create the safety to even go there? Like allow ourselves to go there. And for me, it was having in the beginning, I had to have some sort of community of people that were supporting me. And that was through, for me, it was through AA. I also had 
I have always had really amazing friends who, um, yeah, have just, it's like the, you know, like they say, the family you choose. But even with these amazing friends, I realized I was hiding the truth. And so when you finally get to like, okay, this is, this is the truth. I remember like for me telling my friends, my closest friends that I got a DUI and realized that I was an alcoholic. It was the whole thing. It was not just like, I didn't have, I mean, there were some people who I think probably knew something was going on with me, but they probably wouldn't have um, identified it as alcoholism. But but most people were like, what are you talking about? I didn't know you, like, you, you drink the same as me or, you know what I mean? They thought I did. Um, or people who didn't, I have a couple of really close friends here in, you know, in California that don't drink at all. And we're still <laughs> friends with me. <laughs> I don't know how they tolerated me, honestly, like when we would go out. Um, but of course they don't know that every day at home alone, I'm drinking, you know, drinking wine with dinner and making that seem okay. Cause it's like, oh, it's just wine with dinner. Um, but it's an entire bottle of wine on a Monday night. Right. Um, so then when I got to start to, to tell the truth and people still loved me and accepted me. That creates this feeling of safety. And then it opens up the opportunity for them to be, to tell the truth about whatever's going on for them. And that is incredible. So that happened, you know, when I was going through getting, you know, recovery, getting sober. And then I've also been like now having, you know, so then I had this much deeper, I basically got the message like, okay, it's time to leave AA and be of service outside of AA. And I, that was the same year that I went and did Kundalini yoga teacher training, even though I had been a a yoga teacher for a long time, this was like a new practice in a different community. And so like, I essentially had to leave a community and then I immediately had a new one in this teacher training. And that was the whole process, of course. One that I still, you know, because it's a really tight, the recovery community is a really tight community, but it's like, they don't know what to do with me if I'm no longer in that community. So a lot of them just can't, can't handle being friends with me anymore, which is really hard. And I'm sure I made mistakes in how I went about it. And I just did what I had to do. And I did it for my spiritual evolution, honestly. And, you know, the irony is that the the 12 steps is a spiritual solution. But I honestly, it was like, I, and it's not to say that I'm better or that, you know, is like, oh, I'm done with these, this work. It was just that I had to do other things to expand and I couldn't spend all of my time. I was spending a ton of my time 
in that community. And it was like, I, I need to do things that are going to help me expand and be around people that are going to help me expand even more and help others expand. So I, you know, so that was what I did. And what I've found is as I get like more and more down this like train of this like totally out there spiritual journey angels and guides and beings of light and energy work and all of these things. And here I am a scientist and I have slowly begun to, you know, just be more and more open with the people in my life about that. And it's so incredible to have like a dear friend who has a PhD in science or engineering, like open up to me about some, you know, spiritual experience that they had, something that we never would have talked about 10 years ago. And because I'm being more open, then they feel safe to be more open. And I, and then it creates a container of safety in that relationship, right? And I'm creating this container for all of you, even just listening to me. You're receiving that acceptance, that love, that feeling of safety that you're not alone. You're not the only person that feels this way. You're not the only person that has had interesting experiences in your meditation where you're like, whoa, there's, there's more to life than, than what our culture tells us. And, you know, I, like I, and this is what the whole podcast is about. These things do not, science and spirituality do not, are not in opposition. They do not exist separately. They are the same. Scientists and spiritual people on a spiritual journey are curious. They are, they want to know about (laughs) the universe, the cosmos. They also, when you dive deeper and deeper into science and you realize more and more, the more and more we don't know, the more you have to expand the, this like, oh, I, I have to look at this with curiosity. This is how we approach science. Like, you look, you, you might have an, a, a hypothesis, but you do an experiment to essentially disprove a hypothesis. <laughs> or, you know, it's like there's always an opening for other possibilities, I guess is what I'm saying. And so I don't, I don't get the people who are scientists who are like, oh, I can't even think about spirituality. Like they roll their eyes and they like, you can't prove that. It's like, yeah, you can't prove anything. All you can prove is that like, this was an example I heard recently. You can't prove that unicorns don't exist. (laughs) Like, Sure. You've never seen one. But you can't say that you've looked everywhere that they could exist. <laughs> like, like, there's no, right? I mean, and that's just a silly example that I thought was really potent. It's like, yeah, you can't, you can't disprove the existence of something when there are infinite possibilities in our cosmos, right? So like the idea that there's, that we're the only life in the cosmos is asinine. (laughs) We live in an infinite cosmos. Like, of course there's life on other planets. 
Um, so anyway, that, that was a sidetrack coming back to this idea of safety. Like when you can create, when you can feel courageous enough to share your feelings and to share your maybe deepest, darkest secrets with people, of course you have to discern the right people. This is not something you just like run around telling people. And this may sound ironic coming from me who's like sharing these things on a podcast. But believe me, I have got I like you are not the first people <laughs> that have heard any of this. <laughs> um I I went through a process and and tr- learned to trust people. And then got to a point where I didn't need your approval. You're listening to this. I don't need your approval because I have it from within. I don't need the acknowledgement and the validation from outside of me because I'm so secure and safe in myself because I have such a deep connection to what I consider is source to my soul, to my mission, honestly, like why I'm here. And that was when I could start a podcast. It still felt like a big, um, when I started it, it was like, okay, here we go. I think that first episode, I called it down the rabbit hole. And I shared, you know, my story of like how I got here and why, why I was sharing this, why I'm doing this. And it's the most of all the episodes is more listened to than any other. And it's, you know, it was really scary. And in doing it, I created safety for myself. Because you know what? The world kept turning. The sun kept rising each day. I didn't die. Nobody, you know, nobody actually even left me. I mean, to some extent, you know, people in our lives come and go, of course. But like, it w- none of it happened because of the podcast, And so it just proved to me like, okay, this is safe. I can keep doing this. And then in me doing this and being vulnerable with you, hopefully it it allows you to consider doing that for yourself, being vulnerable. And again, you don't have to go out and tell the whole world, tell a trusted companion, someone that you know and love and really, truly trust. And you, you will find that it will create, it will shift relationships. And then even the people that you don't tell all of your deep, dark secrets, they, they sense the shift and things just change. You just start to become more open and they become more open and you create this, this space of safety for people. And then in creating that space of safety for others, you feel even more safe because they, they feel safe. And it is how we are going to help the collective find safety Because almost all of what we do, all the terrible things that humans do are out of some deep desire to create their own safety, whether it's greed or gluttony or any of the, those, you know, sins, quote unquote sins which I don't, I don't believe in those words actually, but you know, these things that we think of as negative, 
um, that people do, it's because they're trying to create more safety for themselves. And when you can really truly be open and loving to even just one other person, it will change the world, literally. Because there is a ripple effect. So you start with yourself. You create this safety within. So the other thing, I'm just getting this ping, is not only <laughs> to collect, I mean, to to connect with with the people in your life, but our guides are really wanting us wanting me to say this, that you can call on them. They are there. You have an arc, you have your own guardian angel that is with you your entire life. You have a team of beings that are here to help you navigate your life but you have to invite them in. You have to ask them for help. And when you do so, you can create this incredible feeling of safety within yourself because you feel them around you. I feel I have this unshakable trust in my main guides right now that there are three that are so they're incredibly high (laughs) like highly high dimensional beings they are ascended masters archangels and they are here to help me yeah they are (laughs) and here to love me And they work on the quantum so they can also be helping you, right? These, especially these very enlightened ones, like the ascended masters. And they are um, here for all of us. But so I invite you to invite them in, ask for them, their help, ask for signs, ask for guidance. And the more you do this, you will start to actually be able to communicate with them in a way. It's like a telepathic communication. At least that's for me. So for everybody, you may have different gifts. You may hear a voice. You may see the being. For me, it's this knowing it's a, it's like a telepathic voice. So it's not, it's like, it's like my thoughts, but I know it's not me. It's them, (laughs) but it takes practice to hone in on and really begin to listen. So just wanted to bring that up. I know I talk about that a lot, but it's, um, Apparently, we all need a reminder. (laughs) Invite your guides in. They love you. They want to help you. They want to provide that safety and security, no matter what you're doing, no matter what the situation, no matter the chaos happening in the world, you always have them. So even if you don't feel like you have anyone, any person in your life, that you can trust right now, lean into your guides and they will then provide you with the safety and security within yourself to have the courage to let a human being in. We all need human connection and it doesn't have to be a lot of people. I have found that having a small group of very 
good friends, trusted friends, is what I need more so than a whole bunch of friends. But everyone is different. And so, you know, you really have to pay attention to what you need, what your personality and your even love language, your mode of communication, all of that is relevant. So do some inquiry this week about how you can provide more safety for yourself and therefore provide more safety for others. I think I'll end there. Please, if you have any questions, comments, I love hearing from you. You can DM me on Instagram or Facebook. Um, you can also email me at my website, thirdeyescience.com. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe. That's really the most helpful thing you can do to help this podcast reach more people. And please receive this energetic transmission as one of love and pure light. I believe in you. I believe in us. And I feel the shift coming. (laughs) Have a beautiful week. If you want any support, you can check out all of my offerings, group and one-on-one offerings. Thank you so much. Love you. Satnam. Namaste.